Okay, no instructions needed. Okay. I, I don't really feel Shoot like... Shoot the poop? Like your wiener. Oh, let me just get that right in the uh, the old camera shot. That's my thought. I'm sipping on some red wine. Primary use for Bitcoin is to get more money. Oh, man. The Coog Bar. Yeah, I'm into that. Hello. Now, this fucking ball hardly, like, I, I cannot start this at ease. I cannot risk it. That's how I go to the bathroom. It's exactly how they're walk running or whatever it is. Oh, God. What it do, baby? Conzi, I think that's the first time you've seen that open. I was just like, the new guy here, I was like, that's beautiful. When did our production value go up? We get a budget oh. in the three weeks of this, this, this is 50 bucks well spent, my friend. <laughs> a month. <laughs> 50 bucks a month? A month. Oh, yeah. It's a lot of money. It's a lot. Bills Welcome come to in no the mail. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Welcome to the No Instructions Via Podcast. Uh... Presented by MJB Cannabis, two convenience locations in Prince George, one up on College Heights and one up on the heart. That is MJB Cannabis. They are presenting us today. What up, boys? Let's go to Huge Hannis here at the at the start and 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 say hi to Conzi because we all thought he was dead for about eight and a half years. It, it's a hard J in Janus. <laughs> But um, yeah, it's good to be back, guys. Like I haven't, uh, I haven't seen you forever. It feels like I've had COVID. I've had a lot of shit going on. It's weird. Uh, it's been a, a weird week. Like having COVID. Uh, my wife adopted a deaf puppy at the same time, so it's like I'm dying, and then there's this animal that can't hear running around shitting all over my house. So I mean, it's uh, but it's good to be back. Good to see your faces. You guys had a killer interview today. Of course, I wasn't there for that either, but uh, I won't announce that. But uh, yeah, Big O, what's up? I've missed you, man. Yeah, listen, it's it's great to see your face. Uh, <laughs> it's it's good to know that your wife, Chloe, not only as like a frontline health worker, but also taking care of your COVID ass. And now the deaf dog, like give this lady a medal. I can't wait to see what you have in store for her for Valentine's Day is like... It better be vibrating and spicy. That's all I'm going to say. Control uh, from your phone. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, I've seen those. Maybe we should pitch in for, for Conzi's Valentine's Day gift. Uh, <laughs> the Big D. We're going to talk some fucking footy today because Canada had no. a big... Okay, big I'll talk about that. But uh, how are things over in Van City? Yeah, everything is good. Uh we had a, a very nice interview. We won't give it away like Conzi said, but it got me pumped, man. Probably the best thing we've ever done in terms of uh, having a guest on. So uh, excited to bring you guys that. And uh, yeah, reinvigorated me a little bit. Was having <clears throat> not the best day in the world. And then I, that guy was like, yeah, I'm back. So, uh, <laughs> so yeah, it was really cool. Excited for you guys to hear it. And uh, yeah, excited to have Conzi back or Hugh, Hugh Janus. Um, and uh, yeah, let's get this rolling. First topic a go. Well, there's a couple different ways we could go here. I don't know if you guys want to touch on the footy first, if you want to touch on the convoy that's currently infecting all of Canada. Uh, we could touch on the Jordan Subban situation in the ECHL, which was another interesting situation. So, I'm gonna leave it up to the big O. Actually, you know what, Conzi, 
You haven't yeah, been here yeah. in a while. Where do you want to go first? Anywhere in the, the world. Floor you is yours. I, you know, I want to talk about all three of these things, but um, uh, near and dear to my heart, let's talk footy first because I was jazzed up on that Canada win last night too. So big O. That second goal, was that not a thing of beauty? I haven't seen a Canada put a play together like that in, I don't know, 10, maybe 12 years. Listen, the, the swag that Canada has right now is, as the kids say, on 100. Like, it is, <laughs> they are believing. They are in first place. And people were like, okay, they've got a, a few game stretch where, like, they could drop a few points. Uh, USA, I think, had a big win. I think Mexico had a big win. So the pressure was on Canada to go to Honduras, a, a place that we haven't had the best of luck, and get a tie. I think a tie would have been okay. I think they would have been okay with the tie. Uh, no. What they do is they go and they get two goals on the road. Not only that, but the keeper get, has like one of like the greatest saves that helped preserve that 2-0 victory. And now, now they're laughing. Now they can afford to drop a game, which I don't think so. They can afford to have a bad game against the U.S. Again, don't think it's going to happen. Canada looking primed, ready to go. And the only thing better than the performance last night was the Alfonso Davies, like, game cast of him given, like, in his accent that all of a sudden he like really got into for the game <laughs> and it was like a different person but listen canada soccer fuck yeah let's go big w dean how big was your wiener last night when you were watching this game it was huge borian has made some huge saves in the last couple games he made one against mexico on the goal line in, in that thriller and then this one just taking it off the line midair. Uh, the goal was just a rope of a pass from uh, Fraser, I believe it was, and just handled with such touch with uh, the boy, uh, Jonathan David. So, yeah, yeah, it was it was craziness. Jonathan David rules. Uh, Buchanan rules. Like, they got so much more talent than Alphonse, like, more than Alfonso Davies. Alfonso Davies is still the best player on the team. He's freaking sweet. Um, but yeah, like David's awesome. Buchanan's awesome. The whole team is just clicking right now. And, uh, Panama lost too, which like they were in fourth place. So they were kind of the threat to maybe drop a few games and they go into that fourth place slot where they, uh, go into the play in tournament. So, uh, some more wiggle room, some more breathing room, but yeah, it was a huge game. The only thing, those effing horns that go like the whole game is so annoying. And I'm just watching it's like, the whole effing game i'm like turn those off it's like worse than the vuvuzelas man and the field was in really bad condition it looks like it was fresh fresh saw that just like never took and they were just carving that thing up like it was so bad and they just watered the crap out of it or something they were slipping all over the place and, and stuff like that but uh yeah what a game usa is gonna be a tough test though for sure, Let's but I think they got their breathing room now. I tried to I tried to get tickets to the game, but because we have massive restrictions now, zero percent chance that's happening. But I'm gonna watch it. It's gonna be great. Shout out Canada, just doing big things over here. Not even like the biggest soccer news. I mean, it's the biggest soccer news, but like Toronto FC just signed a premier 
soccer player to join their team come this summer straight from the Serie A, which is like insane that he's coming here in not even the twilight of his career, but like he's like in his semi-prime soccer. Big things happening between now and 2026. Very, very I read. Exciting. I read also that Javinko is on their like practice roster, like yes. their, their training so, camp roster. So that was like the big news that like Javinko was coming back after like the you know, a little bit of like a nasty fallout towards him wanting to leave and getting paid more money and thinking that he was the guy to go and play high level soccer somewhere else. Not sure it worked out for him, but this guy who they just signed after that is like again they're they're saying that this guy might change the franchise as a single player. I'm excited. Big ups Canada, soccer is uh, is growing, ever ever growing. And then the Whitecaps traded the man about uh, in between the post. Uh, my other boy Maxime Crepeau, they traded him, so he was like the best player on the team. And so Toronto FC is going up. Vancouver kind of seems like they're staying mediocre at best here because Crepeau is rad too. He backs up the boy Borian. So uh, we'll see what happens with that roster. But uh, Toronto is looking good. Do they still have uh, Josie Altidore? I think he was leaving. I can't remember. I, I know he was injured and that there were talks that he was going to leave. So I'm pretty sure he was leaving. Japs is like, can someone pinch me after we finish the soccer topic? No, I'm no, ready. I got a take on the soccer. Oh, okay. Listen. Oh, <laughs> Go. Go. Silence. Silence. I think it's. I think it's awesome. I mean – Canada's back in the they're gonna be in the World Cup. They need two more wins to 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 qualify for the World Cup. They have what six more games left to get two wins and they qualify for the World Cup. Five games left, two wins, they qualify. So they need six points in the final five games essentially to qualify. So they're gonna get in, and that's unreal. I mean, that's the first time since what, like the eighties or something like that. I, I truthfully don't know. But it's uh it's like it's cool. And what this is gonna do is you're gonna see not now, but 15 years from now, the effect that this is going to have on Canadian sports and Canadian kids, it's going to be, it's good. It's going to be unreal. This is going to be the Vince Carter effect for soccer uh, in Canada. It's, it's, it's unreal. It's the, the women effect too, the Canada women effect. Like, yeah, for sure. you know, they, I think where, where they met in London 2008 or 12 or something like, and then all these young Ladies are saying now, like, yeah, I watched the games in 2012 where they got a bronze medal, and I knew that's like what I wanted to do. And now they're gold medalists, and they're in the World Cup semifinals and stuff like that. Like, it's it's the women did it 10 years ago or so, and now the men are kind of following suit a bit later. It's going to be sick. Looking forward to it. They're going to get trounced in the Olympics, probably, or in the World Cup, but that's fine. Just get there and let's see what happens. Well, I mean, this isn't even the World Cup that like they're gunning for, right? Like this was this is the bonus. This is the icing on the cake for them because 2026 is really where they want to shine. So getting in in 2022 is the added bonus to be able to like put themselves on the map. But 2026 and hosting games and doing well in that tournament is the big success that Canada is looking for because for the first time they'll be recognized at home hosting games and at that point you think maybe they have a little bit more of a shot as an opportunity to, you know, surprise a couple of people. And then you get to play games as user chaps growing the game. The Vince Carter effect will be hosting games against countries that we see all the time on TSN and ESPN and zone in these star players. But now they're going to be coming to our country and you get to see them live and in person 
which you never really got to experience before. The Neymars, the Messis, the Pogbas, all of those great athletes who represent their countries, they're going to be on homegrown soil. And that right there, being able to see your heroes live in the flesh that you'd never see because they're playing for PSG, Manchester United, Chelsea, Liverpool, all those guys, it's going to have a huge, huge effect. And uh, people are going to fall in love with Canada. I guarantee uh, post-COVID, everyone who's traveled here before for a weekend, <laughs> well, maybe pre- still COVID, uh, everyone who's traveled to Canada who's never been here before usually walks away with a very positive experience, um, unless you're a trucker uh, in the convoy. Uh, oh, let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> but yeah, so it's uh, it, it'll be exciting. It's the homegrown people in the trucks that we got to worry about these days. Hugh Janus, do you have anything to close off the soccer, or do you want to go on to the convoy? No, we can we can transition to the convoy. Um, I I just want to touch again on um, Davy's uh, accent, though, because I don't know when he became an island boy. <laughs> it was great to hear. And big O, talk about there's no games. Aren't the games in Edmonton and Toronto? And that's it. Well, uh, I don't. I don't know if if Soccer Thank Canada you, had announced it. Sure. They were. They were. They were looking at different venues as to where they were going to play. Maybe there was an announcement. I'm not sure if there was an announcement, but I know that they were trying to vet certain stadiums as to which was going to host where and when. Um, obviously, unfortunately, the major games won't be played in Canada. Uh, as we get to the knockout stages, it'll be Mexico and the U.S. But um, at the very least, we'll have some games in hopefully in Vancouver. It makes. I mean, it makes sense there, but who knows. I'm looking at Conzi because I'm just like I'm just such a fan. I'm just such a fan. I like I want like someone pinch me. Is this in real life? I like, guess Conzi here because I love this. I thought I was your boy, Jules. Oh, you are my boy. Listen, I'm, I'm on like every three weeks for an interview. If you guys want, listen, I'm I'm like me and Malkova. All of you are my boys. If you know what I mean. Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, listen, this uh, this episode of the No Instructions Needed podcast is uh, brought to you by uh, MJB Cannabis. Um, They strive to provide their customers with the highest level of customer care. Their team is passionate about cannabis and educating people so that they can deliver quality customer care. Understanding the importance of being heard and respected when entering a dispensary as every person has a unique relationship with cannabis they offer wide selection of cannabis products including dried flour concentrates vape cartridges beverages intimacy and bath products and much more I mentioned this before they have two locations one located on the heart and one in college heights they pride themselves on listening to the customer so if there's a product you would like to try let them know and they will do their best to accommodate your request Again, this has been a, uh, a great relationship that Chaps has helped foster. Obviously, some of us uh, users of cannabis uh, products, uh, as we have seen, and we'll get to this in our next segment, we have a great interview with the great Lofa Tutupu. You know, cannabis is a huge thing. Whether you are a recreational user, the stigma around cannabis in life is gone. Right now, there are many amazing ways that uh can help people who are suffering. Again, always use it uh, while being responsible, which is the number one thing. Must be 19 years of age or older, depending on where you are. 21 plus, I believe, in the States. 
Uh, but again, educate yourself. And MJB Cannabis is one of the best educators out there. So if you have questions, uh, head over to their website, mjbcannabis.com, or head to one of their two locations. Talk to a customer service agent. Tell them what you want, what you're looking for. They will be able to help you out. Today is the man, the myth, the legend himself, the USC Trojan, the Seattle Seahawks legend, Mr. Lofa Tachuku. How's it going today, sir? Good, fellas. Thank you for having me. Appreciate you coming on, man. Anytime I can show highlights of you sacking Jay Cutler or hitting Jay Cutler at all, I will do that all day. So appreciate uh, I appreciate you coming on. I know that Tommy Trojan up there in the, in the corner wants to fly right at it with the USC questions and stuff. So. Let's just get him to, to ask all those Southern California questions that I will know nothing about. It's for, for once, it's nice to have a guest on that even though they're on the West Coast, I can very much relate to and love. My parents went to USC. I'm a big Trojan homer. So knowing that you and your father both went to SC and then went on to play in the NFL, what was that like? Because your dad was your high school coach. You played quarterback, 800 yards, uh, 10 TDs, even rushed for 450. And then you go on to be one of the greatest linebackers on Pete Carroll and inspired the likes of Ray Maluga and formed what was USC Linebacker University. What was your experience like at a young age getting into football, knowing that you had these big shoes to fill uh, with your pops being former Trojan? and a former New England Patriot. Yeah, man. Uh, well, you did do your homework, huh? Yeah, <laughs> always, it's the always. same thing. Uh, yeah, you know, my second-generation NFL, my dad um, played in New England uh, for four, 13 years. Out of the 14, he was in the NFL. And um, I just – I fell in love with the game from the first moment I knew what a football was. And uh, it just uh, – it wasn't my best sport, believe it or not. Uh, baseball was my best sport. But my dad played football, so I wanted to play football. And, uh, and growing up, you know, um, not many people know it, but um, I played quarterback and linebacker in high school. And um, the only Division One offers I got were to play quarterback. And, uh, you know, I took a look at the landscape of the NFL, and there was no five-letter <laughs> quarterbacks back then. <laughs> there was no – I hadn't seen a Samoan quarterback since Jack Thompson, the throwing Samoan. So I, I said, you know what, I see a lot of 5'11", you know, uh, 5'10", linebackers, Dat Wynn, Zach Thomas, Dexter Coakley, London Fletcher, Sam Mills. Like, I mean, I could go on. Man. They, there were so many, you know, ballers. And um, I just thought if I was going to make that, you know, uh, transition into the NFL one day, it was going to be a, a defense, which was much more natural to me. 
Uh, Dad, now, you look like you'd still play, by the way. Like, yeah, no, I was about like, to you say. Are yeah. yoked, man. Just <laughs> yoked. It was leg day. Thank you. <laughs> the, the traps are busting at the seams there. <laughs> now, forget the va- – we're not talking about vacated titles because as far as Trojans are, are concerned, those titles will never be taken away from us. But you obviously got to play under a coach that at the time was one of the, if not the premier coach of college football, and that's Pete Carroll. What was it like playing under a guy who seemed to be so loose and fast, both in practice, on the sideline, and in his post game? And how did that inspire you guys to go out there and literally kick the shit out of every opponent you played? <laughs> well, I think, you know, you, you hit the nail on the head there. Loose, having fun, because you can't, anything you're doing, you can't be uptight and worried about making mistakes. Mistakes are going to happen, right? It's just how, how well do you react and, and pivot when that does happen. And so, um, you know, Pete, he, he always, every moment he's trying to seize, every moment he's trying to win. If there's, you know, a potential winning outcome, he's looking for it, looking for the edge. And um, I think he prepared us so well for, for the next level that, you know, most of us, it was a seamless transition, you know, going in the NFL. It's like we were already in an NFL organization. Our days were so regimented and, um, you know, they were labeled with an emphasis, you know, for every day. Competition Tuesday, um, you know, was it turnover uh, Wednesday? And, you know, it carried, he carried it up to the NFL because, of course, he coached me for my final year in Seattle, too. And, um, and he's, he's a great um, – he's great at inspiring people, you know, and just motivating them. He's a master motivator, getting guys to play really above their potential. And um, well, yeah, I would, he, he maximizes their potential. You know, there we I don't go. want to yeah. change the players at all. Um, but – he gets the most out of his players and, um, you know, his, his energy is, you know, infectious and, and contagious and it carries over right down to the players. And, and you see that they play with that swagger, that confidence. Yeah, I mean, certainly – sorry, Chaps. One last USC question here. It's sort of changing the tone. But, I mean, you talk about maximizing talent. He did it at SC, plug and play, got the right guys for the system, and then he goes to the NFL. And you're talking like late-round draft picks that become super studs, become the Legion of Boom – and really start dominating defense from a college to an NFL level. Now, changing the tone just a little bit, you know, we've kind of sits with USC and your NFL career. What was it like seeing Snoop Dogg on campus <laughs> at practice? And again, I've seen video of him, you know, running routes with the team down in so- at Southern uh, California. What was it like to see him? And did you ever have to go up against him and maybe, you know, scare him not to come over the middle? Nah, he didn't. He didn't want that smoke. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, he wanted some sort of smoke. It just wasn't that smoke. smoke. <laughs> Uncle Snoop, as we called him, yeah, man, he'd show up. Um, he'd be in the end zone at games. You see, like Lindale throwing a football after a touchdown. It was, um, it was normal for us, right? I mean, that's so. You know, I know everybody else is like, like starstruck. Yeah, we were the first time we saw him, but then um, him, you know, Will Ferrell. Uh, there was. That's how crazy it was. When we look back at the time, we just thought it was normal. But there was close to 100 people at every practice, you know. And I'm talking like stars. It wasn't just they let anybody in. Like you had to get a ticket, get in line just to watch us practice. And, I mean, I guess when you go on a a 35-game winning streak or whatever it was, um, you know, just to put it in perspective, when I got there in 02, um, I was on the practice squad and, you know, Troy Olamalu and Carson Palmer were – were our senior captains, right? You know, yeah. a Heisman Trophy winner and then a future Hall of Famer on defense. And so 
things started to turn around and, and going into that next year, you know, it was mine and Matt Liner's first start. And, um, and that started the 34 yeah, game winning streak. And uh, it was, you know, it was wild. 26 games in the two years that I was there um, that I got to play, we were uh, 25 and one. We only lost one game in overtime to, to Aaron Rodgers and Cal. And, um, and they played a, they played a perfect game. They really did. They got five turnovers off us. Yeah. They beat us, you know? Um, and so, but it was, you know, it was that special that, you know, we, from that day on, I think it was early October in 03, they went all the way until that Rose Bowl against uh, Vince Young in 06, um, 05, 06 season and uh, 34 straight wins. <laughs> Impressive. So at, at Lofa Tatupu 51 on Twitter, uh, at Believe in Seahawks podcast. I believe you're the co-host of that as well. At Lofa Tatupu on on Instagram. Did I get mm-hmm. that right? Yep. And uh, and at Zone in CBD. Can you talk about that for a second and how you're involved with uh, with that company? Yeah. Um, so I've been in the cannabis industry, you know, since I left football, probably 2014. Got some real estate. Me and uh, my my business partner and brother Matt McCoy. Uh, met him when I was 19. When I transferred to SC, he was out of San Diego State. Our good friend Frosty Rucker, um, you know, that was the connection there. They were high school or you know, childhood friends. And so, as linebackers, we kicked it. We just talked ball. We both left college early, and we ended up playing our last year together here in Seattle. And uh, right around that time, uh, recreational cannabis was coming online. And uh, so we we got into it on the real estate side. Ended up taking over operations, developed our own brand, 1937 Farms. If you're on Instagram, you can follow it there. And um, you know, through that, I started hearing more and more about CBD. And um, you guys mentioned that I look like I could still play. This is the shit that put me back together after 15 concussions and, and 10 plus surgeries. <laughs> um, yeah, and I, I could smile now because at one point in time, it wasn't it wasn't a laughing matter, man. That shit was bad. And uh, but I feel I feel young again. Um, and you know, back in the gym, you know, crushing it. And it's really, it's returned me to my my greatest health. At any point in my life, I feel better than I did when I was playing. Now, of course, I'm not taking those hits that I used to, <laughs> but but I'm putting up the same amount of weight that I used to, um, you know, playing basketball five days a week. I'm living my life again. And I, I couldn't say that for a while after I left the league. I was just going through the motions, man. And so, hence, zone in, right? You know, part of, um, you know, positive psychology flow state, being in the zone. So... Uh, created that company in 2019, uh, uh, October of 19, and we're we're changing a lot of lives, man. All right, so we got, we also have to mention that Lofa is calling in on the MJB Cannabis Store hotline. There's two locations in Prince George, British Columbia: six zero six five Montre Road and five seven 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 Alberti Place. Uh, Dean, you got some questions. Uh, yeah, I was just going to ask. Uh, I know you had a, a two-year coaching stint with the Seahawks after you had retired and just wanted to see if uh, you know a return to football might be in the cards for you in the not-too-distant future here. I, I think so. I loved it. You know, um, it was very demanding. I mean, it's a commitment. You know, it's um, – It's a grind. Man, you, yeah, you grind, man. I thought playing was hard. <laughs> it was nothing compared to coaching <laughs> That's why they all look the same, man. They're all wore out like in a year. They're up till 4 a.m. sleeping on the couches in the offices. Yeah, bro. It's it's intense, and uh, but it, it's incredible. And I could see, you know, for me, after that second year when my contract was up, you know, they wanted to renew it, and I, I thought about it, but I had to talk to my family. My kids, 
put it this way: the first year I coached, I missed my my youngest first birth, uh, third birthday, and my oldest. I missed his fifth birthday, and and because one was born during combine, and the other one was born uh, during camp. So I was like, okay, uh, you know, this is gonna be this is gonna be tough <laughs> missing yeah. you know almost every birthday going forward. So. Uh, just decided to step away. I still, you know, um, I look at film and with the Hawks every now and then and do stuff with the team, a lot of charitable organizations um, that, you know, they include me in. But um, I could I could see myself when the kids get a little older. Right now they're 7 and 10. When that youngest gets to about 10 or 11, another three or four years, and they don't want to hang out with dad because dad's not cool, <laughs> I could see myself going back and in some capacity because I, I I loved it. I mean, it was hard not to love it when you get to coach, you know, KJ Wright and Bobby Wagner. Too. Yeah, I mean. All right. So I got I, – I am the resident Seahawk fan. My little brother is actually named after Cortez Kennedy. He is Cortez, and he's a white kid. It's very awkward sometimes for me to introduce him. Awesome. And they're like, Where's, yeah, it, it is awesome. My dad is a diehard Seahawk fan. He has been forever. He asked me to ask you this question. What was it like going from Pete Carroll to Mike Holmgren? Oh, oh, yeah, I did. I went from Pete Carroll to Mike Holmgren back to Pete Carroll. Yeah, that's right. You had, you had, uh, you had one other coach in between there. They're, they're, they're both phenomenal leaders, right? And um, But they, they teach from a very different place. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Pete is, you know, he's a little guy. He's very energetic. Um you know, I wouldn't call him rah-rah. He's just full of energy. And he's, you know, he's trying to – he's just being himself. And um, and so that's why it works for him, right? And uh, and Mike, he's an imposing figure. He's like 6'5", six, 6'6". Six, six. You know, I'm a middle linebacker, and I'm looking up at this dude, like, getting yelled at. <laughs> and so um, what I did love about Mike's style um, was just the accountability that that he puts on, on everybody. I, I, really, I really feel like – he was the hardest on Hasselback and because, because the quarterback is your leader. And um, I think that kind of showed that, Hey, if, if Matt's not above approach and you know, he's going to be held accountable. You, you imagine all the rest of us, you, you're, you're walking on thin ice, man. You, <laughs> you better keep it, keep it tight. So, um, you know, very disciplined. And I mean, I think it shows in there reflects in their styles, you know, Pete put, put together, they both put together great teams, but, you know, we were penalized a lot when we played for Pete, and sometimes it came back to hurt us, but other times we'd still beat people by, by two or three scores. And, Mike, I think three out of the four years that I played for him, we were either number one or in the top three or four in um, in penalties, you know, not getting penalties uh, called on us. So uh, it was uh, very, you know, a contrast, very different styles. But, I mean, obviously both effective and two of the greatest coaches that ever coached. I got to go back to like one of the worst slash best memories of my life, which is Super Bowl 40, which you guys got screwed in by the referees. Um, there, there is no way Ben Roethlisberger was in the end zone. Does that bother you to this day that they've, I, I'm going to drop that bomb if it makes you uncomfortable. I'm sorry that the referees fucked that up so badly. Does it's, it bother you? You know, it, uh, at the time, yeah, it was tough, but it's, it's like, it's, it's life. That was what, if you can't do shit about it, I mean, why are you going to dwell on it? I mean, it yep. is not, it was literally beyond our control. And that's, you know, with football, that's all we talk about is like, hey, you know, uh, control what you control and then whatever happens, man, you know. And so it, it was it was unfortunate. I mean, it was really tough for the ref to come back a couple of years later and apologize to us. <laughs> that, that, was really, that was the coolest part. I was like, man, I would have I respected you more if you just said, 
nah, man, I called it that way. Shut up and go on with life. Yeah, but, you should leave it in the ref's hands if you would have done that. But that that stupid nah, that guy came up there and said, "Sorry, Seattle." Like, what are you doing? Well, but I mean, you know, that was the craziest part was it's like you know it's got to be irrefutable, right? Well, I mean, the head wasn't even across the goal line; the ball was below the head, and then he looks up and puts it across. I don't. Know. But I mean, that was probably the toughest call, really, because you know if not, they probably kick a field goal. We go on three three. It, it didn't change the game completely. Seven three at half. We still have plenty of time. Yeah. But there was a, a couple other calls. The the one that really was the hardest was that when they called us on a holding, when the nose, Casey Hampton and Clark Higgins were both offsides, and Matt throws an absolute dart. Jeremy Stevens. The J Steve down to the one, I think. And touchdown, wasn't it? It was I think it was down to the one. Was it? Um, yeah. And then we had the the interception, like a player or two later, where Matt made one of the most beautiful tackles I've ever seen, and they <laughs> called him for a block below the waist. So, you know, it was, uh, it is what it is. Um, shit happens, man. <laughs> I can tell you, my dad's psyche has never been the same since that game. I can promise uh, you that. Well, well, you know, the city got one. What seven, eight years later in thirteen? Yeah, oh yeah. So, you yeah. know, it, you know, it happened. Yeah. All right, we, right. Big D, uh-huh. you got any more questions? What would you say is like the biggest highlight of your career? Like when you look back in the, in the NFL, I should say, and just like what kind of moment sticks out the most to you? Um, You're like, that was effing sweet. Uh, yeah, the the rookie year, man, coming right off of two national titles or a split and an outright title and then going to the Super Bowl was like, I mean, I thought I was never going to lose again. I was like, <laughs> You know, I was, I was even telling the other guys, I was like, this is the way it gets, this is the way it is, boys. You know? <laughs> college, now we're just going to keep doing this. And uh, and we would have if we kept Steve Hutchinson. But that that's for another oh, point. Absolutely. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, You're just, getting them going. Oh, I'm so fired up right now. They didn't do a great situation, you know. Um, a great group of guys. They weren't far off from, from getting to that Super Bowl or getting over the hump. Uh, they had been to the playoffs, I think, two or three times consecutive right before. So um, it was it was it was just perfect, man. And and to have a, I think we had a ten or eleven game winning streak that game, that year, and then um, to end up in in the Super Bowl and win win the conference championship as a rookie that that was pretty special. There you go. So your dad and Matt Hasselbeck's dad actually played football together, and then obviously you got to play together. Uh, in Seattle, did you know Matt going into that? And then, what was your relationship with like Matt with Matt once you got to the Seahawks? Yeah, no, I so they grew up a town over. My wife's from the town. The, the towns are so small. It's a, it's called the Tri Town area, Plainville, Rentham, and Norfolk. And so I'm from Plainville. My wife and Matt, they're all from Norfolk. And uh, so they Matt, I think, is six or seven years older than me. And then there's Tim. And and then the youngest, Nathaniel, is my age, and we competed against each other all growing up. He was a phenomenal athlete. Um, he didn't get the height that that Matt and Tim got. He um, so he ended up playing receiver uh, and safety, I think, in college. But uh, yeah, just a talented family. They were awesome. You know, I mean, everybody knew who they were. They were they were studs all through high school, and then you know at Boston College. And uh, and when I got here, yeah, I was I knew I knew Matt and uh, and, and the whole family and. You know, it was, uh, I mean, it was, it was just crazy. Two, two guys from, you know, small town back in Mass ended up on the same team <laughs> out west, the Pacific Northwest. 
Again, Lofa Tatupu here with us. Follow him on Twitter at Lofa Tatupu 51 and he's being brought to you by the MJB Hotline here. So let's talk today, Seahawks, here really quick, because uh, obviously you have your own podcast, uh, Believe in, in, in the Seahawks. What do you think is going to happen next season? I, I'm very curious because you're kind of like, I, like you're close to the situation. You know some of the players and all that stuff. What do you what do you think is going to happen next year? Do you think Wilson will be there? Do you think he won't be? Do you think Carroll will step back and they hire a new coach? Like what what's what do you see in the 2022 Seahawks? Well, I from all reports that Pete's not going anywhere, him or John. And you know, and I think that that that's good. That's we we two bad seasons in 12 years. Like, come on. <laughs> Everybody's calling for change. It's like, man, you guys, you don't want to go back to like before Holmgren when you know, they were like two win, three win seasons, man. Um, so it's um, – I think they'll, they'll right the ship. But I, I just really wonder what's going to happen with Russ. I mean, yeah. not even not even 30 minutes after Jody met with Pete and John and they were like, hey, they're good. They're coming back. They have a plan that, you know, she agrees with. There was a, a report leaked that like, oh, well, Russ wants to explore his options. And, I, you know, I was scratching my head. I was like, oh, you got two more years on your contract. What, what are you talking about options? So <laughs> – I, I just wonder if he wants to be here. And, um, you know, you, you're seeing there's a lot of quarterbacks, man. They're, 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 they're really demanding, like, almost like basketball type uh, of contracts and negotiations and, like, options out, out of contracts. So it's, uh, it's crazy to see it happen. But um, you know how important a franchise quarterback is, especially one, Russ. I think he just set the record in the first 10 years, most wins. Um, so – yeah, last year it was just a bit of an off year for him with the injury. I think he'll be back and he'll be fine. But I just I wonder if he wants to be here. And uh, you know what? What do you do if that's the case? You know, uh, so we'll, we'll see what happens. But I, I really feel now Russ is. I mean, it's one of those rare competitors, right? And if you can find another, like I'm, I'm not saying there's one in every draft, but if you can build a defense like they did with the Legion of Boom. And, you know, and then, you know, Bobby, KJ in the middle. And then, you know, you get those pieces up front because we were too deep on that D-line. That was, you know, that that defense doesn't get enough credit for how dominant it was 2012 to 2016-ish. And um, it was probably one of the best defenses over the over a five-year span that we've ever seen. And so, um, but if you could do that and you can get Rashad Penny back and he can stay healthy, you can win this division. I mean, Look at San Fran. I would yeah. argue that they do not have a great quarterback. And look at what they're doing. Um, you know, nothing against Jimmy G, but I think he's got zero touchdowns and, and two interceptions and less than 300 yards in two playoff games. So, um, you know, it's, <laughs> it's <a bother. laughs> but, um, but that's what a power running game and a defense can do for you. And so uh, you always have a chance in that regard. I mean, just you look at the, the formula that we, we stuck to in the last four weeks where Rashad Penny had like 500 yards. I mean, you know, so I think you get Dwayne back because I don't think he'll get a, a long-term contract from anybody out there. He'll get a one-year from several people who will offer him a one-year. So if you just give him a one-year, that's respectable with incentives, you know, that he can hit. Um, he's he's proven he still has it. So um, I really think we're not far off. And uh, But I do worry – what with with Bobby's cap number as high as there, they, and you know you're seeing all these articles and these you know reports coming out. I wonder what how conversations are going to go because you know he he's his own agent. So I wonder what what he's thinking. 
Well, I'm thinking Russell Wilson's making what 35, 40 million a year. Why, why, why doesn't the quarterback restructure like Tommy, uh, Tommy Brady did all those years so we can build the team around it? That's kind of my mindset a little bit is you get that one big contract. Awesome. Your quarterback, you get that Pat McAfee money now, I guess is what it is. And, uh, and, and now you can restructure it and try to build the, build around it but i get it also you sign you sign that money you want that money so i get i kind of get both sides of it well well that that's the second contract though right yeah it is yeah so maybe maybe there could be something done there and i mean um yeah because as long as you win games there's gonna be plenty more money to make off the field but you know those those endorsements they just want winners so if you don't win games (laughs) you can have all the money that you're gonna get on the field but that's 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 gonna be it because they guess who they're gonna go get Tom Brady or, or Patrick Mahomes, <laughs> but yeah, so we'll see. Um, I hope he doesn't want to leave, you know, uh, especially for how much how much he means to the community, you know. Yeah, I, I think I think all the Seahawks fans trying to push him and Carroll out are insane. I'm going through the same thing with the Canucks. I'm a big Canuck fan. They're trying to push all these players out too. I'm like, what are you guys doing? Like these yeah. players are good. I don't get. It. I've never understood it. Yeah, I mean, when when those reports started surfing like midseason, it's like relax, everybody. Like, it's 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 an anomaly. It's a down year. We're in the best division. Um, yep. You know, it was it just you know shit happens, man. We'll bounce back. That's right. All right, so we gotta get you out of here pretty soon. Do you, does anyone have any more questions? I'm sure the Big O's got about forty more. But he's gonna have to condense it in a couple. <laughs> I'll I'll ask one more question. Um, you know, they say that along your career, along your lifetime, you meet certain people at the right time that have an incredible impact on your life and help you become the person that you're supposed to be. That is true with you, not just meeting Snoop Dogg at USC, but you had an encounter as a, at a, as a preteen with Cypress Hills Be Real. What was that like for you and what impact did he have on you as a preteen growing up? Yeah, man, I mean, the, the music, right? I mean, that... I, so many hits that, you know, would be on my, you know, playlist before football games. And then I get to meet him and, um, you know, I was a bigger kid and he was just, I, I'd say, he was like, what do you do? And I was like, I play ball. I'm going to play in the NFL one day. And he was like, oh yeah. Like I remember telling him that. And, I, and so I go, yeah, you're going to see me in the NFL one day. And then, uh, yeah, I got to, uh, tweet or Instagram tag him and, uh, and, he, I think he remembered. He reposted it, and like he said, "That's what's up." So I mean, I, I was, I was thought that was pretty special that you know he acknowledged it. But um, yeah, I mean, I mean that's an icon, man. And especially yeah. I'm in the same industry, the cannabis industry. He's a pioneer. Like he's him, Uncle Snoop, all those guys. They're the ones that've been advocating for years and telling everybody, you know, how this is actual medicine. This is not drugs. You know, all that other shit. All that other shit's drugs. That shit that can kill you. This is not going to kill you. And so, um, you know, I'm grateful for not just his music, but, you know, what what he stands for and uh, and what he's doing in the industry. I'll be taking an edible later tonight when we record the full <laughs> podcast. So I will yeah. be doing it because I am awesome. Uh, I got one more quick hitter yeah. question. One more quick hitter. So obviously we're all three of us are Canadian. Chaps has already mentioned the Canucks. So my question to you is, have you made it out to a Seattle Kraken game yet? I did. I went. Yeah. I went to the the second home game. I was supposed to go to the first one, but I, I had. I think I had youth basketball, so I couldn't couldn't do that one. But I went to the second one, and they won. So I saw history, and they won by a score of five to one. The hey, old, the old fifty-one. Right. Awesome. 
That is awesome. Dude, that's meant to be. There you go. There you go. Last question for me, and then we'll get you out here. Who's winning the who's winning this weekend and who's winning the Super Bowl? Hmm. Um I I just don't know if the Niners can pull off a seventh straight victory against the Rams. It's like, you know, it's hard to beat somebody twice in one year or three times in one year. Well, they've done that three years in a row. So yeah. I, I don't know. Like the, the odds are not in their favor in terms of that, even though you would think, oh, well, yeah, they're just going to go in there and beat them again. But it really isn't home field advantage. And, and that's what's wild. You know, going to L.A., it's not that far from San Fran. And there's, they travel well. Apparently that last week 17 matchup when they were down 17 and nothing, Stafford said he still couldn't hear anybody on the field. You know, and they were, they were in SoFi at their own stadium. So, um, so I believe the Rams go to the Super Bowl. But – I believe whoever comes out of the Kansas City Bengals game wins the Super Bowl. Ooh. And, uh, and if if Tyron Matthew is even just out on the field, if he's like out there playing, I think the Chiefs are going to win. But if he's not, I mean, you saw what Josh Allen did as soon as he left the game, and you know Joe Joe Burrow smoking Joe. This oh, yeah. this dude this dude is no joke. Um, I'm going to go with the Chiefs, you know, because. It's uh even though the Bengals are hot and they've done it on the road, I, I didn't think they really deserved to win last week against Tennessee. I thought Tennessee really, man, that third and fourth and one, I don't know what the hell they were calling. Just <laughs> you run QB, run two QB sneaks, bro. Like you're doing a zone read option. Like <laughs> oh man, that that's crazy. But so um yeah, I'm gonna go Chiefs versus LA, and um I think the Chiefs win. Awesome. Again, this has been Lofitztupu at Lofitztupu51 on Twitter at ZoninCBD1937 Farms on Instagram and at Believe in Seahawks Podcast. This has been lots of fun, man. Thanks for coming on. We hope to have you on again uh, one of these days. Fellas, yeah. Thanks for having me. Let's do it again sometime. All right, man. Happy to be here. Appreciate it, man. All right. Peace. Peace. Well, that was awesome. That was sick. Yeah. That was cool. Uh, that was cool, man. He's a sweet dude. God damn, that man was yoked. Shout out Lofit Tupu for joining us. What a fire, fire interview. Who knew? Uncle Snoop, be real from Cypress Hill. I mean, the stories. And the feelings of being a Seahawk and the Trojans. What a great interview, chaps. Was that everything that you wanted it to be when you reached out to him via DM? And how do we bring him back for another episode? Because he was amazing. Yeah, that was everything I thought it would be and everything I didn't think it would be. He was absolutely unreal. It was lots of fun. It was an honor. Like That's childhood stuff for me right there. 2005, you know, I'm like whatever, 15 or whatever it was. That's literally childhood stuff for me. So it was uh, – thank you very much, Mr. Tsupu, for coming on. And and I think he will come back on. I think we can get him on another time because uh, he just – you know, you guys all listen to it. You heard the excitement in his voice. I think he might come back on. It was uh, it was a great time. Yeah, that was awesome, man. It, uh, it was sweet. Uh, chaps, I don't even think you have to edit any of that at all. Like, that was so clean, like – Super well-spoken, super nice guy, like, answered all of our questions in depth, like, wasn't just, like, one or two words, like, super in-depth, like, 
it was awesome. Probably the best experience with uh, a guest I've ever had. And uh, just seemed like a chill dude. Just seemed like a guy that you could go grab a brewski with. So I'll be like, next time I'm in Seattle, I'll be like, hey, dude, remember me? The big D. <laughs> but yeah, I don't think like that was super nice guy. Awesome interview. Question and answer session, whatever you want to call it. But uh, yeah, I got stoked from that. That was huge. That, that was really cool. It's, I totally was there and it was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> great time <laughs> do, do you do you think we could parlay this into somehow getting coach Pete Carroll on the podcast I feel like there's an avenue to make this happen I feel I, like we can do it nah he'll pass oh <laughs> oh, oh so good so I see you dick I see you dick very nice I see you dick I see you dick that's <laughs> great uh, no, I yeah, I think we need him on about ten more times before I make that leap because that would be unbelievable. That for, get him for a on. guy for a guy who suffered from fifteen concussions, who should have CTE at this point. That guy is articulate. That guy can show emotion. That guy looks like he can go play in the NFL right now and beat the shit out of Ivermectin Rogers. I think Ugh. very very. I'd love. I mean, can we get him in the CFL? Like, do any of your teams like need? A loafa to two. I feel like we. Can I think they could all use a loafa. <laughs> That's true. You know, someone's jacked when you see him just from like the mid arm up, and you're just like, "Holy shit!" Yeah. <laughs> like all I can see were his shoulders and like <gasps> the upper part of his arm. Speak. And it's like, wow. that kid's yoked on there too. We got a little. We got gremlin. Loafa makes me look like a skinny boy. That was the first thing I, I. He came on, and when he was like dark screened on our on our feed, I'm like, oh my god, this guy is this. This is not normal. This is not normal. Jacked, like like we talk about jacked, but like he was he was jacked. Like he looked like he could probably be a WWE heel right now. Just go in there and just beat up the shit out of Roman Reigns. Should we do a live stream for the Royal Rumble? That would be huge, even though I don't know how to watch it. Stop. True. <laughs> True. This is what happens when Conte comes back on the podcast. It's a family affair. Now, was this the young buck who uh, was not feeling great? Who's drinking your water and sharing COVID? With no, this is Captain Immunity over here. <laughs> he didn't get sick. No, the youngest one was the one who got really sick. But I can't. <laughs> Could have used a couple downtime days from him, but no, he didn't get sick at all. <laughs> that is one of the best things I've ever heard in my life. He's going to slip some melatonin into that guy's orange juice in the morning. Uh, oh, I, we, don't, we don't condone slipping melatonin to anybody. No, no, I, I, no. We do not <laughs> condone that. Certainly do not. I'm going. Hey, speaking of like slipping people something. Not a good transition at all. Um, I'm going for a sleep apnea test on Monday, like a sleep uh, oh. little experiment. Because, yeah, I don't know, man. Like my breathing at nighttime I, apparently is hard to deal with. <laughs> I sleep like a baby. I don't. I don't know what's going on, but my wife tells me that it's a, it's a little bit uh, not great. So, um, going for a sleep assignment on Monday night, and I'm I'm a little nervous because. As much as I can fall asleep anywhere, I don't know how I'm going to feel like. Am I going to be strapped up to some shit? Are going to be like a bunch of like weird people staring at me while I'm sleeping? I'm very, I'm very nervous about that. 
I mean, say like, it again. How are you going to jack off before you're going to sleep, man? Like that's that's, that's a serious <laughs> might, concern here. It might be a six. It might be a pre-game or a little six p.m. nutter butter before I go out there because you, you know, might not make it to the sleep apnea yeah. clinic. Then you're just driving. <laughs> well, I'm so sleepy. That's how you fall asleep on the couch and miss the whole appointment. <laughs> <laughs> Just slowly move up and down. Just try to keep as little movement as possible, and they won't even notice it. It'll be fine. Sir, keep your hands above the blanket. If I'm on my back, I'll. But if I'm on my tum tum, I'm I'm usually pretty clean with my snoring. Um, my older or no, sorry, my little brother. I watch like I listen to him sleep because he was sleeping on my couch for like two weeks. So I was just like. Because it's like, <laughs> you know, almost like, dude, there's something wrong with you. I think yeah. Chloe's responsible for at least two of my concussions from throwing things at me while I'm snoring. <laughs> like, it's vicious. She doesn't even, she doesn't wake up, doesn't give you the like roll over. It's just like, wham, pillow, whatever, night lamp from the nightstand, doesn't matter. Could be worse. She could just smother you with the pillow instead, right? <laughs> just solve, <laughs> solve all the problems. Facts. Then she's got to drag my fat ass out of the house. <laughs> that would be <laughs> yeah. That's the only thing stopping her. Let's be honest. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know who she wouldn't call a Dexter in the latest season because that guy would fuck everything up, especially if you got snow. Because that's how this motherfucker is getting caught. So. Guy killed like four hundred people and can't yeah. figure out how to kill one. I mean, oh, I'm getting sloppy in the snow here. It was all in Florida. It's an excuse. That's a legitimate Florida. Florida. That's yeah. yeah, Google is no legitimate excuse to solving <laughs> the biggest fucking murder mystery in the history of the United States of America. <laughs> well, that to me yeah. is a rather big like. Fuck. I don't want to get on this again because I'll just lose my fucking yeah. mind. <laughs> the more I think about it, the worse it gets. Dude, it's so bad. I, Google Bay Harper Butcher. <laughs> I solved it. Oh, there he is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's, a little, there's a little ring mark on his neck. Oh, must be the same guy. There they must go. have been using the swan song for search engine optimization because she just clicked the first link and she was like, solved it. <laughs> What what was the okay going back into Dexter? What was the no no no? no. <laughs> this is this is good. This is the reminiscing of. The I'm going to have a brain aneurysm. No, no. Oh, what? An exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you would, exactly. You've been having too much MJB cannabis before this show. Jesus You're Christ! To slur. All right, before we lose chaps. Aneurysm. <laughs> uh, what was the what was the best kill? Like, what was our favorite kill from the Dexter series? Like, who who got it the best on the show? Because I feel like we're gonna have all my answer is gonna be way different, and I'm I'll just I'll leave it at that. But what was the best kill that we saw on Dexter? The moment he shut Deb up forever. That was that was the best kill. Wow, he didn't shut her up forever though. Yeah. back as a ghost. <laughs> wow. The worst part of that series is like, oh, she's still talking. <laughs> and it was worse as they had like the cutscenes of her like being emotional too. It was like the the, the weird cutscenes drove me crazy with that one. But okay, Deb, Deb's interesting. Deb's interesting. Didn't work out. Uh Conzi. She he didn't kill Deb though. Well, he did, but not he, did. he pulled the plug. He pulled the plug on her. No. Stop hey, breathing. Killed it. That's dead. That's murder. Please. There are nurses that have been charged. That's murder. Do you have Do you have one, Dean? 
Get back to me. Oh my god. Okay. Okay. So for me, it's Rita. For me, it's yeah. Rita. That makes sense. I'm like dude. to me, that was I think that was the best one because it showed that Dexter was still emotionally unavailable. He still was supposed to feel things that he didn't feel. And you loved that he was the robotic guy, but like you felt bad for Harrison until like the last season where you like wish Harrison died at some point. Harrison like, needed that, to be shot he, in the fucking face too. Oh, one hundred percent, one hundred. He needed to like realize that his son was going to be a murderer and then kill him. Um, but I thought Rita was one of my favorite deaths because it you didn't see it coming and it was done so so well. That was my favorite one by far. I'm going to redo mine, actually. My favorite one is when he stabs the Colin Hanks guy because that was an amazing cliffhanger. Like, fucking. When, De- when Deborah finds him? When Deborah finds him as he stabs that dude, you're like, oh my God. And then it ends, you're like, whoa, 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 wait, 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 what's going on? Yeah. For like a year. So I like that. Okay. I'm just kind of spitballing here, but uh, when he finally gets the ice truck killer, that's a good one. Okay. And you're, you're not going to like this one. But when he flies all the way to Paris to take care of that uh, English chick, yeah, she he, he got all the way to Paris to, to knock someone off, and usually it was just local scene, you know what I'm saying? But he hopped on a plane, got the passport stamped, and he was like, "Hello, Lila, Kia. dead, <laughs> dead. roundhouse kick." <laughs> Deb should have been fucking killed by the ice truck killer. Was that his was that his downfall? Was that was that the biggest mistake that he had not letting Deb die then? Because Deb then remembers and then the show's biggest mistake. (laughs) 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 I mean I'd argue hiring the out of out of work Julia Stiles to play a role was their biggest mistake. There's a reason she hasn't been in anything. She was better than Deb. She was better than Deb. She's in stuff. Who isn't better than Deb on that show? Masuka was better than Deb on that show. Masuka oh, rules. He's so bad. He's so bad. <laughs> but like, I, I, you love Masuka, but like, yeah, I could have done without Deb. Or, or the weird character arc of uh, the guy who gets Deb's like uh, boyfriend who proposes and then she says no to. What's his name? He's like the guy getting investigated by IA. The guy from the Dark Knight. Oh, Joey Quinn. Yeah, Joey yeah. Quinn went from like this douchey kind of guy with like slim shady haircut in the first season when he's being investigated and then all of a sudden they try to like pep him up and make him to be like this stud muffin which I hated him as a character too not a fan what about Anton oh Anton yeah when I that was one of my favorite seasons when they got real graphic with the skin removal that was a good one oh like yeah that. Jesus that was a tree the tree cutter guy. Yeah, that's right. The guy from like Honduras, fucking Hondurans, man. I don't think he's from they're Panama or something. Round circle. Yeah, there you go. See, that's why we beat them in soccer. Konzi is still searching on the Google machine. Best <laughs> kills with yeah. Dexter. Dexter top ten kills. It, there is a list. Trinity, the third rock guy, was number one, of course. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Makes yeah, sense. but that was. That the worst kill is too like too late. all of a sudden he fucking offs the fucking um, wrestling coach. Like that's yeah. why this season was so bad. Like all of a sudden, like it's true. Live by this code, and now you're just breaking necks. Like it's well, going out of style. It showed the that- necks and cash and checks. <laughs> <Jesus. laughs> 
I liked the. I see. I liked how how I liked how he died though, because it got so chaotic in those last like twenty minutes of his life, and that's how like serial killers get caught. Is they get it gets chaotic and and then they mm-hmm. do stuff out of character and that's how they get caught. So I liked that, even though I didn't like it because that guy couldn't act either. Actually, I did like that. So he killed him. He killed a bad actor. It was good. Very much, very much. And <laughs> pretty much everyone did that show was just the worst. Like he should have tossed Harrison in the fire. He should have tossed the chief, the daughter, everybody. They all sucked. I wonder if this is my son. I got a question for you guys. What is something that when you're picking out your coffin that you really wanted <sighs> to be made of? Or what's an important feature of your coffin when you buy it? Any idea? <laughs> that it's made by John Lithgow, a.k.a. the Trinity Killer. Because <laughs> oh, that's a good one. Wow. <laughs> that was good. I wasn't even going there. That was, that was really good because he tied it in. For me, I, I'd want one with thicker walls. So you couldn't hear the other dead people. I have now started to watch The Office, and it is one of it's when Michael when Michael's buying the fucking condo, chaps. God yeah. damn, I love it. I'm I'm a fan. I'm a fan of The Office. There's some characters I'm not a big fan of, but like so far, I'm like through two seasons. Sorry. It's the greatest show ever made. Okay, it I'm not going to go that far made. just just no. yet, but I see I see the appeal. Thus far, I'm a fan. It's pretty good. That 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 episode is hilarious when he's buying his condo. Man, yeah. these walls are real, real thin. Yeah. <laughs> it's gay friendly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was funny. Uh, that was a good episode. It, there's like so much you can like just refer to. Like my brother was talking about someone that is bad at basketball. He's like, dude, he sucks. He plays basketball like Stanley Hudson. <laughs> and, he just, he's a, and, he, and he just like he just has an arm behind his back and dribbling the ball. Like, like that shit is hilarious because like you see it in your head right away. And you're like, oh man, he must suck. You gotta be kidding me. <laughs> Secret weapon. <laughs> He like just assumes he's good because he's black. He's terrible. Like it. That's that's funny stuff, man. It's it's quite good. I'm a big. I'm I'm a fan. As I said, it's, you uh, haven't even got to the good shit yet, man. <laughs> like this, no, yeah, I, season three and four are like my, my, my money. Oh yeah, five the, six. Thus far, it's good. Like, they're all good. They they they're all all good. I love we could we could do a whole well there the number one podcast in the world I think is is about the office so uh, the, uh, the office ladies yeah I think it's like the most download podcast in the world or something Pam like yep Pam and Angela Pamela ja. oh Ram <laughs> Ram Car Ramrod. Say it, say it, say Carramo. <laughs> Kanzi gets it. Yeah. It was, uh, oh, that man. was like my drunk movie. Every time we come over the bar, we throw on Super Troopers. They have uh, some of the funniest movies. Uh, what were they? Broken Lizard? Lonely Lizard? Something Broken Lizard was like their crew, but they had yeah. um, Club Dread. I like, never saw that one. That was yeah, that was a funny one. You can't say Penelope. He kept saying Penelope. <laughs> um, there was that one. There was like beer beer fest. No, not beer fest. 
Beer fest. Yeah, yeah. beer fest. Yeah, beer fest. Yeah, it was beer fest. Yeah. Yeah. They they had a couple like other ones too, and I was like, man, these guys are like some of the funniest fucking people I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> Did I ever tell you guys a story about how I saw Jay Chandaskar at the at the bar in Vancouver? The guy from Broken Lizard. Did you lick his cheek? Is he the brown guy? <laughs> yeah. 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 So I was wasted. Now we're at the Roxy in Vancouver. If everyone anyone knows, it's a it's an establishment, rich history. And I was just loser drunk. And I saw him at the bar and I look at him and he looks at me. I'm like, you know, I know who you are, right? And he's like, okay. And I'm like, okay, bye. And I like walked away. <laughs> I'm like, hey, that's Jay Chandaska Chandaskar. And and I'm just like, I didn't really know what to say to him. And he like looked at me. I'm just like, okay, later. <laughs> Have a good night. He's probably like, I was just a loser drunk though. Classic young Dean. That's your go-to drunk movie though, is uh is Super, uh, Super Strooper. Yeah, we used to always throw it on. I don't know. I mean it, it's funny. It's not definitely not one of the best comedies ever made, but it was just something about being drunk and stupid that made us laugh every time we come over and watch that. 22 Jump Street. Oh, that's a great one though. That's, one. that's a better movie <laughs> all around. But yeah, I don't think you can. Are we going? One. Are we going to talk about this hockey situation, or uh, that, that was on the list? We can talk about it. Yeah, Jordan sure. Subban. Let's go from twenty-two John to it. Jordan Subban. Um, well, uh, we're running out of time. We got the Lofa interview here. We got a. That is true. Look at look at Dean, the timekeeper. Love it. He is. Yeah. He is. Well, he's doing the math. Um, <laughs> and who knows? Maybe I'll cut some of this out, and then I'll master it all together. Yeah, we knew Jordan Subban here, and I can't remember the other guy's name. Um. Panetta? Pan, yeah, Panetta. Jake Panetta? Jack Panetta? Something like that. Jake Peralta? Well, I mean, Jake, you know, if you watched the last season, Jake is a racist cop, and that's why <laughs> What's-Her-Name quits the True. force, and he's on the bad side of all this. Well, I don't know what side I'm supposed to be on. Well, like, Jesus Christ, what a clusterfuck of a last season that was, too. <laughs> God damn. Getting, getting chaps off the rails. Here we go. Well, it's so stupid, man. Here we go. Eight seasons or whatever it was building this guy up, and then he's like the worst cop in the history of the world last season. Makes no sense. It's true. Guy probably wrote the fucking Dexter finale, too. So Jordan wow. Subban. <laughs> <laughs> I think <laughs> I think it's no laughing matter. No. But I, uh, it's interesting. This one, this one's interesting, I think, because of the video and the, uh, and the support of his teammates and stuff. So, like, I think this one is, I think it's fascinating. I mean, you know, Farhan Lalji, I want to pull up that tweet. You guys can kind of, you guys talk about it here, and I'm going to pull up the tweet and I'll read that. I mean, PK spoke about what happened and, PK has said, like, this is the kind of stuff that we have to constantly defend that gets swept under the rug. And that, you know, if there was, if it was going to happen to somebody, you know, and it happened to be his brother, like, this is the type of family that's going to bring this to the forefront and not just let this kind of stuff go. Other people may have, but it wouldn't get believed. Uh, it wouldn't be believable. But PK is like the ultimate advocate when it comes to this kind of stuff because he doesn't give a fuck. Like, he'll call out whomever. If he gets a name, like, you best believe he'll, he'll out you. And he'll make it real, real bad. So, I mean, it's unfortunate. Obviously, you know, I don't think any of us are surprised that this kind of thing happens. Like, 
even in today's game, we're we're seeing this happen in every sport, whether it's baseball, basketball, soccer, which is, I would argue is probably the worst sport when it comes to racism. Um, but the fact that it's still happening to hockey, especially it's happening in Canada, like after seeing Confederate flags on trucks going cross country, nothing surprises me anymore. Yeah, it is. Chaps, uh, I agree. It is interesting because, you know, obviously he's claiming he was doing a bodybuilder pose. Um, his teammates are saying that's not the kind of guy he is. And obviously I haven't seen actual like good video of it. And I don't think it exists, if I'm honest with you. So like there's just a lot of he said, she said. But at the end of the day, there's a zero tolerance policy in the NHL and, and a lot of the other North American sports. So if you even think about doing that, doing something or you know posing in a way that could be misconstrued as as racist like you can't do it you have to think about it right and i know heat of the moment kind of stuff you do stuff without thinking you just kind of react and like you know we've all played sports that we know it's happened to us but and in hockey where there's actually someone not like punching you in the face maybe or like hitting you yeah i kind of get the reacting but you have to you have to think about what you're doing here and what the ramifications are because I don't know if this guy ever plays hockey again, right? Like it, and he's in the ECHL. He's not making a lot of money. It, it's not like he's on an NHL contract. So, like his livelihood is kind of up in the air right now. And will he ever get back to the point of playing professional hockey? Who knows? But uh, it is interesting. It, it just, uh, but like at the end of the day, you have to think about what you're doing and what kind of poses you're making and the stuff that's coming out of your mouth because. Hey, whether you meant it or not, stuff can get misconstrued and, and, you know, people are quick to react. Yeah, the the video looks bad. I mean, I don't know anything about the guy. I, but if you look at the video, what everybody says he's doing looks exactly what he's doing. I mean, <laughs> I've never he, seen like clean video of it. I've looked a bit and then it just never came. But I mean, now that you're saying he's saying that he was doing like a tough guy pose, like I could see him calling him a tough guy and like flexing the muscles a bit. But if the video I've seen, it looks like he's posing. But have they said anything about what I was said? Like, did he say anything along with it? Like, they got to be jarring back and forth there, too. Like, there was nothing raci- racial said on the ice. Or okay. not on the ice. There was nothing racial said in that scrum or, or whatever you want to call it. But it's the guys closest to him, not even um, not even Subban's reaction, but even his teammates' reaction to it was, like, immediate. So it's like... I don't know if he's really, if he's just trying to put the pose on it now after the fact to try and save face a bit because everybody's immediate reaction was that it was, he was doing it completely racist. And we got to remember, it's not just about like your intention, but like how someone's going to take it. So you have to have like the, the wherewithal, like the brain power to understand that like your actions may impact somebody else in a way that you may not like intend for it to happen. So think before you do things, if there's even a possibility that this could be misconstrued, like it's on you to not put yourself into that position. Like no one's telling you to do this. If you're going to just spur the moment and think that this is a smart thing to do, you're putting yourself at risk, right? Like this is, again, a very well could have been doing a different pose. There may not have been any racial connotations to it. But that being said, you put he put himself in that position for him to be criticized and put under the microscope for something that who knows if he would have done that to any other player. But when you do it to 
African-American player or a person of color, you know, shit can get out of hand. And again, you did it to yourself. So we'll see what happens. Go Chaps. Yeah, I know you. Yeah, but but there's lots of other stuff here too. Like there's other videos of him doing this to other players that are white and everybody else. So like this is what Foreign Lology tweeted, and I think it's an important tweet. Racism is awful. Racism in sport is awful. But what if that's not what happened here? What if Panetta is being truthful and his actions were misinterpreted? I don't know Jacob at all, and maybe there is more info that is yet to come. But in the current climate of race discussion, it seems like there is simply no room for the benefit of doubt. And in some cases, it might be appropriate. As a person of color, I respect and appreciate the trauma Jordan or or anyone similar has had to endure over the years. So he says a lot there, and he says a lot of good things as well. I don't know what happened there, and I get that you have to be you know, responsible for your actions and all that stuff. But clearly you can see it in other videos of him doing this to other, other players in the weeks before this and the statement that his teammates put out today, which I don't know if you guys have read or not. Like it, it's just, it sucks either way, no matter which way you look at it. Like it, it's just, it's shitty because in Jordan's eyes, yeah, clearly it was a racist racial thing mm-hmm. he did. But in, in in that kid's eyes, that kid's eyes, he, he's done it before on the ice. And he, like it's, I don't know, it's a weird, weird situation. It, it truly, truly. I didn't, I didn't know there was videos of him doing it to other players. So that's, that's news to me. So, I mean, that's, if it's the exact same pose, he's doing it to other players in a non-racial way. Maybe, maybe we give him the benefit of the doubt there. I don't know. Well, that's that's the kind of climate we're in. Uh, people are quick to strike, right? And you know, like I said it before, like we've all been done stuff in the heat of what we aren't proud of. But at the end of the day, this guy does this three, four, two, three, four times a week. Like it's not something he's he's desensitized, or at least more than you know that uh, your average beer league player is, right? So it's like you know, it's something that happens all the time. So it it's not something. He can't stop and think about, hey, what I'm what I'm doing right now, what's gonna be the result of this? Because it just it's every day, every week for the last probably 10, 15 years of his life, right? So I don't know. It it just, it's just kind of the world we're living in, and, and it's for a good reason because there has been too much bad things happening to people of color over the last forever. And it has to stop, and, and so you know, it's one of those things, man. I don't know. It, it's it's a tough situation, but at the end of the day, I understand why people might think he did it, and why people are reacting not favorably to it. I get the reaction from Jordan Subban in the moment, a hundred percent, hundred percent. I get yeah, that sure. in the moment, especially because you're not doing videotaping the ECHL of other teams, and you haven't seen yeah. those other videos. So yeah, I get that in the heat of the moment. I get it, and I'm not even saying what he. I want to be clear here. I'm not saying he didn't do anything either i'm just saying there is two distinct sides to this story and they both need to be heard because they both might be valid a hundred percent so you know i think that uh it's just yeah it's gonna be fascinating to see how it unfolds 
was really disappointed in the re- reaction of the other players. I mean, that had bench clearing brawl written all over it. And it was really uneventful. Like, what's happened to the ECHL? So, so you're upset there was not a bench clearing brawl. I, if you got an excuse for one, it should happen. And in any league, it should happen in. It should happen in that league. I concur. <laughs> I definitely concur. It's the ECHL entertainment opportunity. Yeah, I mean, it's hard, right? Like today's culture, it's very hard because we've seen time and time again that the court of public opinion usually weighs with a much heavier hand than an actual court. You know, we've, we may see some facts. We don't get all the facts, you know, case in point to Sean Watson. We still don't know everything. Like realistically, we've seen the side of testimony of, of people who are accusing him of something. We have not had a, an actual verdict that has proven anything yet. The guy didn't play in the NFL this entire season. He might get traded in the offseason next year. But when things happen, unless you have like distinct evidence, like I would say Ray Rice, for instance, that one's pretty black and white. Like it, it, it like it truly is. But when you have, you know, someone who doesn't even get the benefit benefit of the doubt to defend themselves, that's when you get these situations because they compound. Right. And now it's like he's going to be vilifying for what he did, whether it was his intention or not. But again, now it's having the self-awareness to understand that you're in that climate. You can't be surprised at this point. If people have a negative reaction, when you do that and it could potentially be taken in the wrong way because you are in control of your actions. I know Dean said Dean said that he may be desensitized to that. He very well could be like he very well could be. But at the end of the day, like you still have to control your actions, whether it was intentional or not, to not put yourself in that position. And we'll see what happens, right? What do you say about Dave Portnoy at this point? I feel like we're not as high on Dave anymore. <laughs> I mean, I feel like... I mean, insider news or insider, whatever the fuck that thing was called, business aside. And, there we go, business insider. I don't know. I mean, like I feel... That, you know, he said some bad things, certainly in the past. I think if he said something like now, he'd be done. And we're sure people are still getting canceled for things that they've done in the past. But I feel like they definitely weigh heavier if that thing happens now. Because, again, you understand the climate. He admitted he wouldn't make that rape joke now based on where we are with cancel culture and the way things have, have progressed but I think like that has to be taken into consideration as well. Comedy, movies, are you going to cancel some of the like greatest movies because their directors were huge pieces of shit? Are you going to not watch Braveheart, a cinematic masterpiece, because Mel Gibson is a racist piece of shit? Like it's tough. Like it's real, real tough. But yeah, I'm not not as high. Yeah, on- man, even there's stuff that like I say on this podcast with the best of intentions, and like I come back and think about like this could be misconstrued wrong and i might have to go to japs and be like hey dude can you edit this and it like i like there is not one evil word that's like me trying to say something bad about someone it's just like the way it comes off and i think about it later like it happens you have to think about it and like yes 
I have the benefit of having chaps be like, hey, yeah, that's out of the podcast, right? And sometimes you can't take that shit back. But like, that's a blip on the radar, right? The dozens and the dozens of the listeners here. You know, <laughs> don't the dozens. Even though if they probably did hear it, it wouldn't be a big deal. But like, that's the stuff I think about. And like, I don't mm-hmm. want to be misinterpreted and misconstrued. And like, this is what how I think is just like me going off on a tangent like I am now. And and just saying words, right? And it's like, it was the best intentions to strum up conversation between the four of us fellas and something came out a bit wrong or I might think I'm just being paranoid. Who knows? But you got to think before you act. Yeah. I mean, we're probably banned in Belgium. <laughs> yeah, probably, man. <laughs> I love everybody. That's just about, like, you know. And every every pancake house. Fucking here. Goddamn. None of it. Got kicked out of an IHOP last weekend. <laughs> Wait, are you Conzi? <laughs> what did you say about our head of nutrition? You bastards. Take them away, boys. <laughs> Load them up with some syrup. <laughs> oh, man. If, oh. If, if and sometimes we're just trying to be funny. This is we want to be entertained. Do you not, right? Yeah. Are you not entertained? <laughs> yeah. Russell Crowe. Yeah. Do you think hookers say that after they're done? Are you not entertained? <laughs> oh, okay. Just now like Russell Crowe, just yelling at you. <laughs> Are you not entertained? Up. Are you not entertained? How about that? Yeah. Um, it's, it's just... Doing like helicopter dick. <laughs> 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 looky looky what i have for you <laughs> oh these guys are not going to sponsor very many more episodes <laughs> hey listen you get what you get what you get with the no instructions needed podcast we went from racism to shaking our dicks Shaking our dicks? We went, hey, yeah, hey. we went from racism to... It took us yeah. one hour to talk about dicks. <laughs> That's, That's got to be a new record. No, That's progress. Not true. Not true. <laughs> Didn't Julian say something about the, whole, about, uh, the hammer on... Yeah, I did. That was, yeah. that was that was yeah. right off. That was right. no, but I don't think we alarm. recorded that. I don't think we recorded that. I might edit that out too. Um, <laughs> good. This has been. This is gonna be a tough edit because this is an hour and a half long podcast now. Yeah, good, good times, good times. Just, just cancel out everything I say. I think I went on man. a couple. Uh, well, no, I went on a couple diatribes today. Oh, I did good. I thought you were elegant, and that Jordan Subban. That's a tough. That's a tough subject, man. Yeah, it's tough because you can come out and say no, he didn't do it, and then you're automatically racist. You can come out and say, oh, he absolutely, absolutely did do this, and you're an automatic extremist or whatever you want to call it on the far left side. It's a tough subject, but we have to, you know, there's a lot of video out there and a lot of facts. Like you just kind of got to make up your own mind about it. I think, I think we do pretty good when we talk about these subjects, because we're not like definitive in our answers. We're like, based on the information we have now, this is how, you know, things seem, but we're always open to new and more information that comes later. We don't form, we don't have permanent concrete, opinions i'm always learning new shit like again one of my favorite things i've learned on this podcast is like don't go to belgium if you don't want to be with a bunch of fucking hypocrites because like head nutrition over there is just off over there at ihop on waffle wednesday 
just fucking eating the joint out. Like if she lost in fantasy football and it was like you got to eat one waffle every hour and then you could leave early, she would have been mm-hmm. out in like the first hour and still stuck around. <laughs> 15 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she would have been like, give me some more syrup and some whipped cream. This is a full edit right here. (laughs) (laughs) Do they have a prime minister in Belgium? Like, if she got elected, what would she be like? Prime minister, president? Oh, I think it's prime minister. No, it's not dictator. No. (laughs) The last two minutes of bad guy from the Marshall Mathers LP2 episode or episode uh, album is the best two minutes that Eminem has ever rapped. I have to go I, back and listen to it. I personally believe I listened to that album just because I drove for like fourteen or twenty hours in two days. It's a good and, album. Uh, oh, so good. Those last two minutes, like I, I played that. That's up there with airplanes when he first came back when he was gone for a long time. Where he, uh, he, he did that. Oh, what if Marshmallow has never picked up a pen? Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. It was amazing. And uh, bad, not bad guy. Sorry, uh, rap god on that album too. Awesome. Because I'm a rap god. Yep. Anyways, I just listened to that. Just thought that you guys know. Is, I thought it'd be... Even though he's super popular, is he still an underrated rapper? Yeah, because he's white. Of course. It's it's the exact opposite, right? Like, it, And I think in his... Uh, he's even said... like not, not Dr. Dre's even come out and said, like, had he been black, he would be like the greatest rapper of all time. It's just like... It, it's like a reverse thing. And I get it, too, at the same time. Because, like... Dude, he's the only white rapper in history, right? And also, we're saying he's one of the best. Like, that doesn't look very good either. Hey, hey, shout out Snow. Snow rapped a little bit, all right? Take it <laughs> easy. Take it easy. Also, fun fact like about Snow. Boom, down. Not a one-hit wonder, okay? Not a one-hit wonder. He had two bangers. People forget that. Uh, no. What? Snow. Everybody wants to be like you. Thank, thank you, Dean. <laughs> See, this is why I love you, buddy. You know, you know exactly what's going on. I know snow, bro. That's gonna be a sick Super Bowl halftime show. Eminem, Ray, Snoop, Mary yeah, Jay. Mary J. Yeah, it's gonna be dope. Yeah, I saw they actually had a trailer for the Super Bowl halftime show, and it was sick. It's all of them like getting ready, and then Dre on the beach. They're also Super Bowl uh, uh, halftime shows also getting canceled right now amongst uh, performers at Why? Super Bowl halftime show because they have like distinctions between who's getting paid and who's considered like a volunteer, and because the Super Bowl doesn't really pay people to do these things, it's seen as like you know a way to advertise their own stuff. It's becoming a very heated issue amongst. Uh, free and paid performers for the halftime show. So, I mean, there's only going to be like 500 million people watching that game. So it is like a pretty good advertisement thing. I wonder how much money you would pay to have 500 million people watch something. How much money would you pay for uh, that? How are, I wonder how many streams you would get after. Yeah. It's, it's going to be good. I feel like it's probably going to be one of the best halftime shows out there. Ever. Nice. All right, so we're going to have to figure out how to... What we're going to do is we're going to say goodbye right now, and then I'm going to cut a whole bunch and try to get this... Yeah, we'll see what happens. This is going to be fun. So, all right. Thank you for listening to another episode. Let's go around the room and say goodbye. (laughs) Yeah, I don't...
I'll, I'll go first. I was stammering there. Uh, great episode. Love it to Tupu. Thank you for coming on. Chaps, I said you won't have to edit his part, but you're going to have to edit a bunch of this other crap. Love you, dog. Uh, and I love you, boys, too. Peace out. See you next week. Yeah, Lofa, thanks for coming on, man. I know those are some tough, hard-hitting questions. but Really enjoyed talking to you. Yeah. <laughs> Bros now, thanks for giving me your number. Like, I'll hit you up on text anytime now. But, yeah, good to be back, boys. I might make this a regular thing. <laughs> anyway, it's been long enough. Peace out. Chaps, you should definitely on like recording days on Twitter and Instagram do like a player, like a team report, and always list Ponzi as like GTD because like we never know if he's going to be able to make it. So we always game time decision, you know, and then it's like closer to the time, it's like doubtful. Like kids are running around the house naked and on fire, doubtful. Like I have COVID. Yeah, or COVID. Uh, yeah, another great episode. Uh, Lofa is like an honorary member. Again, that guy is fucking huge. It is insane how big that dude is. Also, like one of the nicest people. Personality-wise and physically. Yeah, like he one of the nicest huge. dudes. Uh, shout out Seahawk fans. Shout out. Uh, he played for like the Falcons as well. Falcons fan. Oh my god, I set the. We got a deaf dog on the screen. Uh, I'm gonna stop talking. About His name is Big uh, Piercing so- Blue Eyes. <laughs> I hope you can see better than he can hear, buddy. <laughs> See you next week. Want to see the red rocket? Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we got it open. 2 a.m. working like we possessed our scenario is utopia. Stay content with that. With our best kept secret, go ahead and floor past it. We don't need to get fucked up all the time and broadcast it. So much overload. They overdid it. Overshared about it though, we're now exposed as cynic, oversaturated, now we're all overdosing, shaking my head side to side like a motorboating, now I'm coasting and I'm ventilating, speculating, all this posing, faking backstories they disseminated, trying to tell us that they got their city locked down, but come the AM, well, they're getting locked out, we make our moves on the low, let the rhythm hit them rock him, Eric B, razor sharp. You can listen to that criticism about our hometown But if you ain't from here, you're done, no, don't come around It's a mayday siren, illuminate the sky We shining out the light, silver lining in disguise It's a mayday siren, standing through the night We resonate forever, yo, whenever we combine It's a mayday siren, illuminate the sky We shining out the light, silver lining in disguise It's a mayday siren, standing through the night We resonate forever, yo, whenever we combine This is anti-tourism, expanding my pure vision We stand and we fan flames that came into fruition Using the true wisdom we imbibe from our environment Every idea we inscribe become Leviathan We thrive under pressure from the weight that you place on our shoulders Cliches just make us bolder We break in the mold, embracing the cold From the snow-capped mountains we can trace With our fingertips roll air clean No chem detected, choke on those vapors Constantly Objected to become familiar with that box that you left us in. Even come to love, I feel the bond like it's next to kin. We resting in, sleeping, you wrestling, weakened, weak out, 
stress seeking You out, left tweaking Speak out, know you hate That we fucking got it made But it's too late for our pity Paid the cost for your charade So this our mayday siren Illuminate your sky We shining out the light Silver lining in disguise It's our mayday siren Sound it through the night We resonate forever Yo, whenever we combine Siren, illuminate the sky We shining out the light, silver lining in disguise It's our mayday siren, down through the night We resonate forever, yo, whenever we combine